You guys can have a seat. Boy, that is Christmas in a song. And can I be the first to say, hey, Merry Christmas, right? You know, this is the season. And can we welcome everybody online real quick? Just want to let them know they're a part of this place. And uh, I know you may have come in here, maybe this is your first time or you're new. I just want to remind you, you are on a first name basis with God, that God knows you and he knows your story. I love walking around this place before service starts and I got to see some longtime friends, uh, Chris and Mark. And I got a buddy here in town in the service, his name's Nate, he's from Dallas. And I tell you, there's just something about joining together as the people of God, knowing this, that God knows our story that God is with us and he has come to dwell with us. This is the good news of Christmas. The good news of Christmas is this, you may not have it all together and here's the deal, I don't know if you know this or not, you don't and I don't, but we have one who does. And he's come to dwell with us and he's come to be with us. And Jacob Bales at the beginning of the service, he invited you on the way out. We've got these Christmas Eve invitation cards. And what we want you to do is this. We want to invite you to pick up one of these, maybe a couple of these on the way out. And just remind people and invite them in. We're not just inviting them to a service on Christmas Eve. We are inviting them into a relationship with the God who has come to be with us, who has laid his life down so that you and I can have peace, we can have hope, and we can have forgiveness. This is the good news of Christmas. And I want to remind you, I know the kind of the calendar's a little bit, uh, some every year kind of changes. Uh, we are going to have Christmas Eve services on Christmas Eve Eve, all right? And so that'll be at 5 and 7 on the 23rd, and then at 3, 5, and 7 on Christmas Eve. And then Christmas morning, we're going to allow you guys to be home with your friends and your family and our staff as well. And then on New Year's Eve, just a heads up, we're not going to have services on Sunday morning. We'll have them online, but we are throwing one big party at 5 o'clock on New Year's Eve. All right. So if you don't have New Year's Eve planned, now you do. All right. And, uh, and we're just going to have an incredible time of setting that up. Uh, but today we kick off a brand new series called Behold. And what I love about this word behold, God has really captured my heart with this word behold. I didn't realize this, uh, but the word behold in the King James version of the Bible shows up 1300 times. 1,300 times God has this message all throughout the Bible is this word behold. And the word behold simply just means this, it's to look up, to begin to behold. That, that's what we do at Christmas, isn't it? We begin to behold the lights. We begin to behold the smells of Christmas. You begin to taste Christmas when peppermint lattes get debuted, right? Praise the Lord, right? Like you taste Christmas, right? And not only that, I don't know about you, I, this has been my prayer all already through this month. Lord, would you make it snow, but only before Christmas, right? You know what I'm saying? But I don't know about you, but I can smell snow. Right, you're like, no, you can't. Yes, I can, I don't know about you, but, right, but this is what I can do, I can smell it. And at Christmas, man, we can taste it and we touch it with gifts that we give to one another. And here's why I think Christmas is so magical for us. It's because we behold it. We see the lights. I don't know, anybody grow up and you just wanted to sit in front of your Christmas tree and just look at the lights? Okay, I'm the only weird one. All right, great, right, you know? And there was something about it when, and this is what I would do as a kid, you would just sit and you would take it in. And literally, this is what God is saying at Christmas. I want you to take in all that I have for you. I went to my chiropractor a couple months ago. My neck was hurting. And uh, first question is this. Well, do you work out? Look at me, doc. No. Right? You know what I'm saying? Like, you didn't need to ask that question. Why, why are you insulting me, right? But he's like, you know, do you work out? No. Well, have you been lifting heavy things? No. And then he said this. 
how much do you look at your phone? And I had to be honest with him. Like he made me pull out my phone and tell him like my screen time. And he goes, do you know how you and I look at our phones? And I had to do this. He goes, you know why your neck hurts? Because you're always doing this. Nothing like accountability at the chiropractor office, right? And what he was saying is this, Nate, if you want to get healthy, if you want your pain to go down in your neck, you got to begin to look up. You got to begin to lift your head. See, the hope of Christmas is this, is that you and I this Christmas have something to behold. You may have come into this place and you have no hope. You may have come into this place and yeah, your head might be physically like this, but your heart and your soul, you're walking into this place today like this. And your head is down. Work isn't going the way you want it to. Marriage might not be going the way you want it to. Your, your head is down because you're going, I thought I would be married by now, but it's not. And the good news of Christmas is this. God says this, behold. In Isaiah, God says it this way. He tells Isaiah the prophet to tell his people Israel, behold, I am making all things new. And then this whole Christmas season, what we're going to do is this. We're going to look at these three scriptures. And today we're going to look at how God calls Mary to behold. And this is what's amazing is this. When the angel shows up to tell Mary about the good news of Jesus, the angel says, behold. And next week, we're going to look at how God tells the shepherds through the angel to behold that your Savior is here. And then when Simeon sees Jesus in the temple when he's dedicated, guess what Simeon says? Behold. Guys, I'm not going to trick you, all right? You know, you're like, I don't know. What, what did he say? He just said, behold, right? You're like, okay, good, good, right? Guys, it's an open book test. We got the Bible, right? You know, this is what's great. But what you find is this, I've just been taken with this word behold, because this is what God tells Mary to do, behold. This is what God tells the shepherds to do, behold. This is what Simeon says, behold. And then this is what's amazing is this, at the beginning of Jesus's ministry, John the Baptist says this, look, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And the last thing Jesus tells his disciples to do when he gives them the great commission in Matthew 28, where he says, go and make disciples of all nations. And you know what he says? He says this, and behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. And in Revelation chapter 22, Jesus says this to John. He says, you tell my churches that behold, I am coming again. See, here's what it means to be a Christian is this, that you and I live between the victory of the resurrection and the victory of God's coming back today. Today, you and I, because of Jesus, his birth, his death, and his resurrection, you and I have victory today, amen? This is what we celebrate. This is what we come to behold. You come to behold a God who's come to be with us. You and I have come to behold. Now, here's the thing that we're going to look at is this. We're looking at this song, uh, Do You Hear What I Hear? This song was written in 1962, and today we're going to ask this question for you and I. Do you hear what God has for us to hear this Christmas? It's a song. It's a word of hope this Christmas. That, that song, you know, and I love Bing Crosby. Uh, that, I, I feel like that's the only Christmas album anybody needs, right? You know, it's like just buy one and you're done, right? It's the white Bing Crosby. You know, I have opinions on Christmas. Right? But, and, uh, and this is what I love about it. I thought Bing Crosby wrote that song. I didn't realize this until I did some research on that song, Do You Hear What I Hear? It was actually written in 1962. And here's why it was written. It was written because of the Cuban Missile Crisis. 
Do you hear what I hear was written because all they could hear in 1962 is this, the threat of nuclear war. All they could see on the news was that everything could end. That's all they could hear, that's all they could see, that's all they could know. And so they write the song, Do You Hear What I Hear? Because what people needed to hear was a word of hope in their despair. They needed to hear a word of peace in their crisis. See, this idea of Christmas, it's this. It's that God shows up in the crisis. It's that God shows up in the brokenness. It's that God shows up in the fractured relationship. We look around our world, we go, man, we're more fractured than ever. How is this ever going to be changed? I got one word for you, Jesus. Do you hear what I hear? That's what God's come to tell you and I this Christmas. Do you hear the hope? This is what I want to talk about today is this. For you and I, this is what God is inviting you and I to do today is this. It's to behold hope. To hear the God of hope speaking to you and I. To, be here, to, to behold the hope that's come to rescue the, vic the victory that was done on the cross and the victory that is coming when Christ comes again right now, what he wants you and I to do today is this. He just simply wants you and I to behold hope. This is what he invites Mary to do. If you have your Bible, I want to invite you to, to turn to Luke chapter 1. And we're going to look at this story in Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 38. Because what's happened is this. The people of Israel have lost all hope. I don't know if maybe you're there today. You've lost hope. Maybe you've lost hope in your sports team, and that's why you're at church today, right? Like your college football playoff team is not making it, right? You know, us uh, Indiana Hoosiers, bad loss last night. That's why you're here. We want to invite you to come over to the cross for prayer after service, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know why you're here, but I know this. Oftentimes, here's what will happen. We will lose hope. And today, God wants us to behold our hope. Listen how... Hope shows up in Luke chapter 1. This is what I love about the book of Luke. If you have the New Testament, it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. It's the four Gospels. This is what I love about the book of Luke is this. The book of Luke is a book of hope. Luke is writing to one man. His name is Theophilus. And here's the thing about Theophilus. He's, he's a Roman, uh, like centurion. He's a high-ranking Roman official. And here's the deal. He's thinking about becoming a Christian, but he's not sure. But here's what Theophilus knows. He's lost hope. In his government, he's lost hope in the world, and he's looking for hope. And, the, uh, and Luke goes, oh, Theophilus, I got hope for you. I got hope for you. His name's Jesus. And here's what I love about the heart of Jesus and the heart of God. The book of Luke and the book of Acts are the two longest books in the New Testament. And here's what I love about them. They're written to one man who's not yet a believer. Can you hear the hope that God has for Theophilus? Can you hear the hope that God has for you and I today? He wants you and I to know our hope. So listen what it says in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. It says, in the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. And you will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. 
He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, for his kingdom will never end. This is good news for you and I today. Do you hear your hope? Well, how will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. I can't wait to explain that word to you today. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. Do you hear that hope today? Nothing is impossible with God. I don't know how I can get my life together. Nothing is impossible with God. I'm the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. You talk about a behold moment. Try posting that on Facebook, right? Uh, angel visited me, said I'm going to have a baby, yet I'm a virgin. And everybody's like, Right, you know, like, like Mary's, whoa, whoa, right? It's like, you don't post that one. You don't go public with that one. And so this is what I want us to do today. I want us to behold our hope because this is a lot to behold. Here's why we need to pay attention to this. And this is what God says is, and, and why beholding him is so important. Because what you and I behold is who we become. What you and I behold it's who you and I become. Did you see Mary's answer there at the end? She's beholding this incredible story. It's more than she could dream of. It's bigger than what she could have for her life. And then this is what she says, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. What happens is this. What you and I behold is who we become. Oftentimes, that's why there's so much bitterness in our life. It's this, all you and I are reading are news clippings and news articles that create bitterness in us. So guess what? When all you do is behold bitterness, guess what you're going to become? Bitter. When all you do is replay how people have hurt you in your life rather than replaying the forgiveness of God, not that you need to excuse what people have done to you, but when all you do is behold what has been done wrong to you, or if all you do is behold what you have done wrong more than the cross of Jesus, guess who you're going to become? Somebody who doesn't walk around with the forgiveness of God. Somebody who doesn't walk around with the grace of God. Somebody who doesn't walk around with the generosity of God. See, what you and I behold is who we become. And this is what God wants Mary to behold is this. He wants her to behold the hope of the world. See, here's what hope does for us. Hope breaks the power of our limitations. Some of you are here today and you can just, all you can behold is this, your limitations. All you can think about is your failures. And God says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to behold the son of God. I want you to behold the goodness of God. This is why I love in this passage, it says this, greetings to you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary, the Lord is with you. Nate, the Lord is with you. Chris, Mark, the Lord is with you. See, this is our hope. Too many times, this is, I think, why we've begun to struggle in our relationship with God is this. We begin to focus more on our ability to follow him more than his willingness to come to us. 
See, this is what saves us. This is what changes us. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, 700 years before this passage, God predicted this. It says this in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. It says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and you will give birth to a son and you will call him Emmanuel, God with us. You know what your hope is today? Your hope is that God is with you. And here's what happens. When God is with you, you can begin to own where you're not God. Now, and if you don't know where you're not God, ask your friends. They'll tell you. We're like, hey, you want, I'll give you five of your shortcomings, right? They'll tell you where you're not God. And this is the beauty of becoming a follower of Jesus is this. It's God with us. It's not about how much that we have earned God being with us. It's that God has come to be with us. See, hope gives us comfort when we hit the wall of our limitations. Hope gives us comfort that God is with us when everything's falling apart. This is the good news of Christmas. It's God with us. This is why I love it. We had some friends over last night after service. We're watching football. And then this is what happens at Christmas time. I told you, man, like we tasted and see, we saw the glory of God through that peanut butter pie last night, right? You know what I'm saying? And there's nothing like this comfort food. And here's what happens. There's nothing like comfort food at Christmas time. And here's the thing. You don't need a pie, but I tell you this. Every single one of us needs comfort. We need the comfort of knowing that life doesn't just hang on our performance. We need the comfort of knowing that our God would actually want to spend time with us. Do you believe that God would actually want to spend time with you? Do you believe that? Because see, here's what happens. When we read the story of Mary... All we can look at is her limitations. She's from Podunkville, Galilee, right? Literally, the disciples, when they heard that Jesus is from Nazareth, this is what one of them says, like, Nazareth? Anything good come out of Nazareth? Right? And it's what we all say, right? It's what we all say about Kentucky. Kentucky, <laughs> right? So now, now we're awake, right? Now we're in it, right? And you know what's great? Everybody in Kentucky says this. Tennessee, anything good come out of Tennessee? Tennessee, Georgia, right? Yeah, isn't it funny? Michigan says that about us, right? You know what I'm saying? And here's what's great. The story of Mary is this, not that she was born in Metropolis, not that she had all the power and prestige. No, it's this girl who's just faithfully following God. You know why she was highly favored? Because she had faith in the one who was faithful. That's why she was highly favored. She's having faith in Podunkville, Galilee. And we know society makes fun of virgins. I know the movie out there, 40-year-old virgin. Right, society makes fun of being a virgin. Mary's like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a virgin. And not only is she a virgin, she's not even married yet. For some of us, we build up marriage like that is when God blesses your life. She's not even married yet. And guess what? God shows up in her life. See, here's the good news about God. He doesn't wait for you and I to reach our potential. God has compassion way before we even reach our potential. Because the good news of Jesus is this. He is our potential. 
He is our good news. He is the one who is with us. See, it's not about you and I reaching our potential. It is about the God who's come to meet us right where we are. Matter of fact, well, this is that we're going to do something a little bit new today after service, and we're going to do this for the entire month of December, and if it goes well, we're going to keep doing this. But after service, here's what we want to invite you to do. Maybe you're here today and you go, yeah, my head is not looking up. My head is down. My soul is down, and I just need somebody to pray with me today. Here's what we're going to invite you to do. We're not going to invite you to go out through the lobby and fight the crowds. Here's the deal. If you just need somebody to pray with you today, we just want to invite you to stay in your seat after the service. And our staff and our volunteers are just going to come. They're going to meet you right where you are. Because guess what? That's exactly what Jesus did for us. He said, no, I've come to meet you right where you are. It was amazing to pray with people last night after service. Prayed for a lady. Got surgery coming up on December 13th. And guess what? That surgery is weighing her down. And you know what she needs the church? She needs the church to be with her. See, this is the comfort that God has given us as the church is that we, as Jesus has come to dwell with us, we get to dwell with others. We get to bring the spirit of God to others. We get to bring the hope of God to others because this is what we find. Hope breaks the power of our limitations, but hope also gives us a future. See, this is what we give people at Christmas. We know this future that he's given us. This is what the scripture says, is that Jesus will be great and he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will never end. Here's the good news for you and I today. When you start following Jesus, you found the winning team. You found the one whose kingdom will never end. And, and this is what I love about the honesty of Mary in this moment. She just says this, how would this be since I'm a virgin? Here's what you need to know about faith. Faith requires you and I asking honest questions. It's okay to ask questions about God. God, I want to follow you, but I'm really struggling with this. And you know what? God wants our questions. Even if you're not a believer in him here today, or maybe you're watching online and you're checking this Jesus thing out, you need to know today that your heavenly father wants your questions. He's not afraid of your questions. He invites them in. The angel begins to say this, the Holy Spirit, Mary, will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. I was taken back by this word. I started getting to do a word study on this and then I called somebody smarter than me. That's what you do as a pastor. I don't know how to explain this text. Let me call somebody who does, right? So I called my buddy and mentor, Dr. Neil Windham. We talked about this passage. And what was amazing is this, this word overshadow that the Holy Spirit will overshadow Mary and place Jesus inside of her. It's the same word that you see show up in Genesis chapter one, verse two, where it says at creation, the spirit was hovering over the waters. See, the Holy Spirit was hovering over the waters, over the darkness, over the chaos when creation happened. And here's the good news. The word Holy Spirit is the word pneuma, which means the breath of God. And it was the breath of God that overshadowed Mary, that breathed life into her and put the Son of God inside of her. And here's the same thing that happens when you and I become a follower of Jesus, is that God breathes his life on you and I, and he placed the Holy Spirit in us, and he changes us from the inside out out. There is something that happens when Jesus becomes your hope. You are made, the scripture says this, new. You are made new. 
You are overshadowed. Actually, that word shows up in Matthew 17 at the transfiguration when Jesus is alone praying with his disciples. It says this, that the spirit came upon them and the presence of God overshadowed them and they got to hear from God. See, here's what happens when Jesus becomes our hope. When we walk with Jesus, we get his spirit and here's the power of him. He gives us a future to walk into. He gives us the ability to step into the chaos that you and I will face tomorrow. But here's the good news of Jesus. No matter what we face tomorrow, the power and the presence of God goes with us. See, this is the good news of our hope. The good news of our hope in Jesus is that he is with us. And then this is what the angel tells Mary. For nothing is impossible with God. Nothing's impossible with God. Here's what I love about hope. Hope comforts us, but you know what hope also does? Hope confronts us. Hope challenges some things in our life that maybe we have been over-hoping in. I'm, I'm shocked. The more I read scripture, I'm shocked who actually responded to Jesus and who didn't respond to Jesus. Here's what you'll find. Here's who you find responding to Jesus Tax collectors, prostitutes, broke down people, people who are demon possessed. They're the ones who respond to Jesus. And you know who doesn't respond to Jesus? The religious folks. Matter of fact, in Luke chapter 18, verse 26, there's this man who comes up to Jesus. His name's the, they, only, they don't say his name, they just know his, kind of his reputation. He's the rich young ruler. In Luke chapter 18, this man comes up to Jesus and he says this, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Do you hear where his hope is? What must I do? Because Jesus, I don't know if you know this, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good, Jesus. And Jesus goes, oh, are you really? This is so good. I'll put a golden star by your Sunday school name. All right, this is great. Rich, wrong, all right. We're going to put a golden star by and this, And Jesus begins to talk to him. He goes, he goes, the guy shows up and goes, hey, good teacher. Jesus goes, why do you call me good? Only God's good. See what he's doing? He's like, do you hear who's good? Do you hear where your hope is? Your hope's not in you. The hope is in God. And he goes, oh, what must you do to inherit eternal life? Uh, well, and he starts walking through the Ten Commandments. He's like, oh, yep, yep, done those. Never, never broke them, done that. Man, you get two golden stars today, young man. You are really on your game. And then Jesus says this, he allows hope to confront this man. He says, go and sell all of your possessions and follow me. You know what he was doing? He was confronting his hope. He was confronting why he actually believed he could get into heaven. And it says this, that the man walked away sad because he was a man of great wealth. And it freaked everybody out. Literally, this is what it says in verse 26. The disciples start saying this. Who then can be saved? Because they're like, if rich people, if that's not what, you, what gets you into heaven, then who can be saved? Jesus says this. What's impossible to man is possible with God. See, hope, hope in Jesus is what gets you and I into the kingdom of God, not your potential, not your possessions, not your power, but your Prince of Peace. Do you have the hope of the world 
in your heart. See, the hope begins to change everything. Hope began to change that man's life. Hope began to change Mary's life. And this is what I love about what hope does. The writer of Hebrews says this about hope in in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19. Maybe I should call it hope 619. I don't know, right? But in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19, listen to what it says. It says, we have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. I got a buddy named Matt owns a boat. And the only thing better than owning a boat is a friend who has a boat, right? And uh, what I love about Matt is this, we'll go out and we'll boat. And before we all jump into the lake water, everything else, this is what he does. He goes, put the anchor down first. Before anybody gets in the water, right? He knows this. When you go boat, you put that anchor down because here's what Matt knows. If you don't put the anchor down, guess what's going to happen to your boat? Like it's going to drift away. Like you're going to be stuck out in this lake and your boat's going to be slamming against these rocks, man. Like everything's going to go wrong. And here's what Matt knows. You put anchor down and then you live life. Same way with Jesus. You put your hope in the anchor and guess what happens? You get to live the life of Christ from your anchor. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Because guess what's coming this week? Storms are coming for you this week. I'm just going to let you know. Because that's what you can be as a weatherman, right? Do you ever realize that about in the Kentucky area? It doesn't matter what you say. It's going to change, right? You know what I'm saying? Can I tell you this? Storms are coming this week for you. But can I give you this encouragement? No matter what storm comes into your life this week, the anchor will hold. See, the anchor is what keeps us from our lives drifting into sin. It's the anchor that holds us when the storms begin to beat into our life. And we go, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. It's the anchor that holds us together. It's the anchor that's working all things out. It's the anchor of God in our lives. And I simply love Mary's response. I'm the Lord's servant. Can you hear her beholding God? I'm the Lord's servant. I'm not sure how all this is going to look. I'm not sure all of the details, but I know this. I am the Lord's servant. Here's what's incredible about her statement. Who she is becoming has direct effect of who she is beholding. I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. I'm the Lord's servant. Jim Burns asked this question a couple weeks ago in our Entrusted series. He asked this question, it's super convicting to myself. He said this, do you like who you're becoming? Let me ask you that question again today. Do you like who you're becoming? And here's the deal. If you don't, or if there's areas that you want to change, can I point you to what you're beholding? Because what you're beholding is who you're becoming. Mary, I'm the Lord's servant. I'm the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Here's the thing about Mary when she said that. She had everything to lose in the Jewish society in that time, this is what the Jewish law said. If you were convicted of adultery, they could stone you to death on the spot. And Mary's like, I'll risk my life because I know who I'm beholding. 
I'll risk it. Not only that, she risked fiance. The angel had to visit Joseph and goes, I know this is crazy, but God's in it. God's in it. She risked her life. She risked her fiance. She risked risked her reputation. But here's what she found. She found that she gained everything because of who she was beholding. She gained everything. Hebrews 11, chapter 1, back to Hebrews, back to Hope, chapter 11, verse 1 says this. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. See, hope, the hope of Jesus in this season is worthy of our trust. Hope is worthy of our trust because of who we're beholding. Yesterday morning, gathered uh, my kids uh, into the living room at 10 a.m. because once every four years, I become a soccer fan because of the World Cup, right? And uh, that's about all I can take is about once every four years. And uh, we gathered all the kids together and we were watching it and I was having to explain it and found out I don't even know half the rules of soccer anyway, right? I still don't know what offsides really is. And, uh, And we gathered together and what I was captured by was this. Literally, the world was gathered together in an arena. You saw the Netherlands and the Americans and you saw everybody else in this arena. And here's what I saw. People who were cheering, hoping that maybe their team would win. Well, we didn't. And so we got to wait four years, right, for our hope to maybe come back. But here's what I found myself doing. Hoping and hoping we would win and hoping, but never certain of my hope. And Jesus says, that's not what it's like to be a follower of me. A follower of me isn't waiting every four years to win the World Cup. You're not waiting for everything to come together. But when you begin to behold me, you begin to hold your hope. Today, Are you beholding the hope that breaks your limitations? Are you beholding the hope that gives you a future? And have you placed your trust in him? Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you, this was your plan to come dwell with us, broken people. People who are desperate for hope, people who are desperate for a second chance. Father, even myself today, God, I am asking, Lord, once again, that God, all I would do today, all I would do this week is behold you, your glory, your goodness, and your grace. Father, in only a way that you could, in only a way that you can, by the power of your Holy Spirit, God, would you help us to hear your hope today. Father, would you give us courage, Lord? Maybe some of us need to stick around just to be prayed for today after service. Father, would you give us courage to do that? Maybe, Father, this week, God, we need to respond in obedience to pray for some other people and to come alongside others. Lord, would we hear your hope and what it's calling into our lives? But, Father, we are quick to remember your word, that you are with us and your kingdom will have no end. And so with that, Jesus, we say thank you for your goodness and your grace today. And it's in your name that we pray. And everybody said together, amen. Amen. May you go in your hope today. God bless you all. Stick around if you need some prayer today.